I'm Shannon. And welcome to this podcast doesn't exist. Woo! Woohoo! It is, uh, just for reference, y'all, it is the last in a batch of recordings. That it we're is doing the goblet today. of fire. It is breaking dawn. You're correct. It is Prince Caspian. Ooh, that's a good one. It is. It's still going. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but it's that one. <laughs> oh, I don't remember either. I'm like, World's End? No, that's the third one. Oh. oh, it's the one with Penelope Cruz. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But anyway, it's, it's that one. It's that one. You're here. We're two best friends that talk about mysteries, unsolved things, anything that we can get our uh, hands on. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy it. If you want to hear more from us, feel free to go to our website at thispodcastdoesn'texist.com. Dot com. You can find all of our socials. You can find all of our transcripts. You can find the bingo card that you can play along while you listen. You can head over to the Twitter where the husband is in charge. Jessica does quite a lot in terms of like racking and stacking them so that they get pushed out. So go ahead, go over there, go like them, go share them. But yeah, we're happy you're here. Welcome. Shannon's just nodding along. Yeah. Shannon agrees. But she said, I got my cup of tea. I got my fuzzy blanket. I know it's the summertime, but it's cold in this basement. It is very cold in this basement. I'm Uh, so sorry. But we hope you're having a delightful summer so far. Yeah. Hopefully, yes. Hydrating. Wearing your SPF. Yep. 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 And if you get the chance to go anywhere... Ask about a ghost story. Yeah. Write it in. If you go stay in a hotel room, let us know. Do they have any ghosts in the hotel? I feel like a lot of people who work in hotels probably have, like, regardless of ghost stories, they probably just have crazy stories. Yeah. Because people are weird. People be wiling. Seriously. In a hotel, they forget their, they do not pack their common sense. They pack 12 pairs of underwear for a three-day trip, but not their common sense. Leave the common sense at home. Yes, correct. So, I mean, just in general, like, ask how they, ask how the desk clerk is doing. It might turn into a 25-minute long conversation, but you might find it's worth it. You might find something interesting that you could write into this podcast. Feel free. Let us know. We'd love to know. If you are traveling towards the West Coast, you might happen upon what we're talking about today. So, we all know that I would love to go visit Zach Bacon's Haunted Museum. Oh my goodness. Uh, Mostly, mostly for the fact that I have a love-hate relationship with this man. What Um, would you do if you met him in real life? Probably poke him in the eye and then run away. I would maybe not. I would advise against that. He does seem to have a lot of money. I think in my brain, he surprises me (laughs) when you say that. Like he just Like a (laughs) jack-in-the-box out of the floor. Like, Zach Bacon's! (laughs) He's like a Pokemon. He says his own name. <laughs> I do wonder if that is how he reacts on, on first dates. It's just, you're sitting there I'm waiting, waiting for him to arrive. And then just all of a sudden, next to you, like the Babadook. I'm Zach Bagans! <laughs> huh. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could alter your plan. Mm. So it's not a salt, but you could just like, like blow air in his face and run away. Give him a glaucoma test. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> and then you run. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I, that that feels fine. I feel like 
he might be like, what? Oh, I'm just picturing you executing this plan, but then running out of the museum, and I'm just sitting on the front steps of the museum, like having an ice cream cone because I refuse to go inside. <laughs> so I'm just like, and then it's just like Emma, like gotta go fast, 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 and then it's like, and I'm like, oh. Okay, we're going. I guess we're leaving now. I'm coming. <laughs> well, hopefully I don't ever assault Zach Bagans. That's hopefully never an instance that happens. I think... Your Honor. Your Honor. I told her not to do it. Your Honor, I told myself not to do it. <laughs> but you could always just blame that you were possessed by something in the museum. Truly, though. Like, and I think that he'd probably have me back for, like, an interview or whatever. But... <laughs> I could swing that. I could do that. There you go. I'm an actor at some point in my life. Okay, but we got to get it on the podcast. When you negotiate that contract, it's a dual deal between us and them. We'll find a lawyer. That's fair. We'll we'll get a lawyer. Anyway, I want to go to this museum. Okay, yes. Half for the love-hate relationship I have with Zach Bagans, Mm -hmm. but also for just the sheer amount of weird stuff he has. What if... If we ever go, if we ever go to Vegas, that's where his museum is, yes, right? Yes, it's in Vegas. If we ever go to Vegas, you have to turn the Bigfoot bumble back on. <laughs> and see if we can find him. See if we can match with Zach Bagans. Oh my gosh, yes. He was dating Holly Madison for a while. Wow. Good for him. Right? Not mm, questionable for questionable her. Questionable for her. Better, but... better for her than previous. That's fair. Yeah, mm. If y'all know who Holly, Holly Madison is. Wow, that is a moment in time on E. Right? The e Network. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. What is the topic today? The topic today is one of these items that I wouldn't mind seeing. Oh, it no. Is the original Dracula's or Bella Lugosi's mirror. Oh. So do you know who Bella Lugosi is? Yeah. Good. He, he's the guy. He's the actor. He's the guy. He's the dude. The kid. He's actually one of uh, the Bone Shaman's faves. That explains a lot. Of course, it's very... That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about Bela Lugosi first. Okay. Get a little rundown of who he is. So, Bela Lugosi was born in Lugos, Kingdom of Hungary, which is now Lugos, Romania, the youngest of four kids, as Bela Ferenc Descu Blasco in 1882. When he was 12 years old, he dropped out of school and left home to find manual labor jobs. He started his acting career in 1902 when he was performing in provincial theaters, mostly in small roles in plays and operettas. He changed his name to Bela Lugosi, taking his new last name to honor his hometown. Oh, So Lugos Lugosi. Sorry, that reminds me of that TikTok that's been going around. It's like, a country song that's like, I'll never love you more than my hometown. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like, people are like, <laughs> imagine he says he can never love you more than Carlisle, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the shadiest stuff. And it makes me laugh. I love that. As someone who does not really have a hometown, same. I'm like, can't relate, but same. Good for you. Correct. Lugosi moved to Budapest in 1911 and started to play dozens of roles in the National Theater of Hungary between 1913 and 1919. Most of his roles were small or supporting ones. 
But later on, Lugosi claimed he, quote, became the leading actor of Hungary's Royal National Theater, end quote. Hmm. He didn't, but he obviously loved being on stage. World War I arrived in full force, and Lugosi served as an infantryman in the Austro-Hungarian army between 1914 and 1916, eventually becoming a lieutenant. He received a wound medal for his injuries sustained while on the Russian front. I'm sure it has a nicer name in Hungarian, but the fact that it translates to wound medal, wound medal. is kind of funny to me. I mean, hey, it's straightforward. You, yeah. You, you got wounded. You, yep. Makes more sense than a purple heart. I'm, although I feel like there must be some kind of symbolism in that. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you don't get, you get that for saving somebody else's life while on. Yeah, and like purple is like nobility, royalty. Yeah association i'm sure if we run into the colonel during mccarthy day yes we can ask him john if you do not come oh i'm going to be so upset because then i have no one to fight against <laughs> you were my enemy and now i have to pick a new one not what? like real enemy when but did like, my father become I just your wanna, opponent i don't know i just feel like i feel like he is a competitive person because he's similar to my own dad yeah and that feels like that would be a fun person to pin myself up against. Have to like, be like, I'm going to beat you're you. You're going down. But the fact that the general's not coming and, like, he well, might not be coming. I don't know if definitively if the general isn't coming. We'll figure it out. I'll tell him. I'll be like, hey. John, you should come. If you up. can come, Emma would really like to face you in battle. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Stay tuned. Great. We'll let you know if I win. A whole month later. <laughs> a whole month, a black eye, and a victory later. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason my family is not allowed to play musical chairs on the concrete anymore. It's not, it's, I'm not that reason. No. But someone from our family I is. would definitely be that reason. Throwing elbows. I will elbow. That was going to be, okay, so our wedding ended abruptly according to our schedule. Oh. It was supposed to be another hour. Oh. With more like regular dancing was like we had a whole playlist ready Mm -hmm. but then during the dancing was also supposed to be a musical chairs for the bouquet oh so i was going to take one i had no idea i (laughs) i I was going to take one of the bridesmaids bouquets Mm -hmm. as like because i'm keeping mine obviously right um but i was going to take one of the bridesmaids bouquets and be like all right whoever wants this bouquet because i wasn't going to be like oh the single ladies no whoever wants this and wants to fight for it Musical chairs, come on, let's go. And I was going to be in charge of the yeah. <laughs> of the musical chairs. And I was going to be so excited. Be like, yo, out! Yo, out! It's going to be so exciting wow. and great. But um, I was exhausted. Yeah. So. Fair. And, I mean, everyone after the K-Lay, we kind of killed them at, at the K-Lay. And so everyone was like, we are tired. We're yeah. going home. The strip the willow really just finishes you. But, hey, if you don't end... A Scottish wedding with a strip the willow. Did you actually go to a wedding at all? If you didn't wake up with bruises the next day, did you even Kayla? Truly. If you do not have the imprint of someone else's fingers on your arm after a Kayla, did you Kayla? Shout out to Stephanie. <laughs> Truly. We are going to Tangent Town so hard. So sorry. All it's right. okay. We have time. I'm just laughing. <laughs> Let's round it back. In 1916... Back in civilian life, Lugosi started to act in Hungarian silent films, 
using the name Aristid Olt for some reason. I guess he wanted his stage and film name to be distinct from one another. Oh. I'm not sure why. He's probably like, I've changed my name once before, I can do it again. From a branding perspective, I really cannot recommend it. That's okay. Lugosi became active in the Actors Union in Hungary, becoming part of the Revolution of 1919 with his support of the Hungarian Soviet Republic. He was forced to flee Hungary when the government changed hands, accompanied by his first wife, Iona Smik. They ended up in Berlin via Vienna. While acting in some German silent films, Iona left Lugosi to return home to Hungary. Oh. She filed for divorce when she arrived in 1920. Hmm. They... Were, it was, like, pretty amicable. I think it was more that he, you know, he was like, well, I can't go back to Hungary. And she was like, I want to go back to my family. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it seemed fine, but right. they they parted ways. They had been married for three years. The marriage timeline is important later, which is why I mentioned this. Okay. Untethered, Lugosi made his way to New Orleans in December of 1920, working as a crewman on the merchant ship to get there. Technically, he illegally entered the country, Mm -hmm. but he did, from New Orleans, make it up north to New York City, where he entered the country via Ellis Island and went through the process. Um, Yeah, I remember that from the Ellis Island Museum. Yeah. Well, they have, at Ellis Island has a 30-second, like, clip about Bela Lugosi of how he illegally entered the country. Yeah. Which is such a fascinating, like, moment in time to keep as a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it was because he was, like, a fair... Like, when they were starting to create the museum on Ellis Island, um, he was... That was, like, they had the film for him. And they Mm -hmm. were like, this would work. But it's just fascinating to me. Okay, but you know how Jamestown in Virginia has, Mm -hmm. like, the immersive thing where people are dressed up, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would have eaten a shoe for them to have that on Ellis Island when I was a child. That would have been fascinating. you get off your ferry and they pretend, like, when, you, have you been to the Spy Museum in D.C.? I went to the original one. Yeah, me too. But, like, when you go in, they give you, like, a ticket with your new identity. Yeah. Or you, like... When we went, it was like you memorized every, a every kid. Every kid gets one of those. Okay. When we went, you went into a room full of plaques that had different identities, and you okay. were supposed to, like, memorize it. That, but, yeah. Um, but, like, you get off the ferry at Ellis Island, and then the, it's, like, it's, like, immersive. Like, you are an immigrant. It's like when you were in Titanic, the musical. Yeah. And you had a person. Or when we were in Brundabar, and we had a person. Yeah. It made it more real and more interesting, and you could actually, like, learn from it. Yeah. I, yes. I agree. I think that would be really interesting. I don't think they would have let me immigrate. Because you're diabetic? Yeah. Illness. Oh. Also Irish. Depends on when, though. Yeah. Because if it were pretty early on, when they were like, yes, we want immigrants, they probably would have been like, whatever. Give us that low-paid workforce. Yeah. Give us those indentured servants. Truly. America. 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 After Ellis Island. Yes. He started working in New York City and found work acting in plays 
and eventually got parts within the silent film industry industry there. The industry. The silent film industry there. In the summer of 1927, Lugosi was asked to star in the Broadway production of Dracula, <gasps> adapted by some playwrights for the stage. His performance over the course of the 261 New York performances, no understudy, and the United States tour in 1928, which he also was the only Dracula on, was critically acclaimed. Lugosi decided to stay in Hollywood after the play finished its first West Coast run. With his stellar performance on stage, Lugosi had piqued the interest of Fox Film, who decided to cast him in their silent film, The Veiled Woman, in 1929. He played the... Uh, Murdered Suitor is his uh, mm. byline. Silent Films worked for Lugosi. He had a heavy Hungarian accent. Because of this, when talkies were beginning to become better sellers, Lugosi was typecast as the, quote, exotic chic or villain because of his accent and dark looks. He had dark, dark hair. He was 6'1", so he wasn't, like, too tall, but he wasn't too short. Um, he was very, like, you know... Swarthy. Tan, swarthy looking. Yeah, very much like if he if he grew a mustache, he would be the one like twirling his mustache at the train. At the train? Train track. You where know, the you... whole like where you where they tie the lady to the yeah, train track. Yeah, I know, but you, like... you just, you just <laughs> ended that thought. You're like, he'll be twirling his mustache <laughs> at the, the train. train. <laughs> I was like, all right, I understand what you mean, but do other people? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> So Universal Pictures was talking of making a film version of the staged Dracula, which Lugosi lobbied should be his role. He was passed over multiple times, but eventually Lugosi won the role and became a household name in 1931. The movie premiered. So this movie, Dracula, is the reason why the Bone Shaman loves him so much. Dracula. The Dracula. Because it is like a a quintessential... Like, also, Bone Shaman is super into, like, monster movies. Like, he loves all of those, like, old 1950s. Like, if you've ever seen Mystery Science Theater 3000, that was a television show that my father constantly watched while he was in residency to become a doctor. And it's those kinds of movies that they are commenting on throughout that show. He loves them. He and I share a love of very stupid movies. This movie isn't stupid, but it has the, like... B movie aspect to it because it's a monsterish movie mm-hmm. and it's something that he really enjoys. From this one role, Lugosi was now stuck in the world of horror and monster movies. He was in Son of Frankenstein as Igor, covered in like fake beard and weird like makeup. He's a gorgeous man and they covered his entire face. We make, make you him. ugly. We make you not pretty no more. He was the horror villain in White Zombie and Murders in the Rue Morgue and multiple others that Lugosi accepted, even as he tried to break free from the image. He would try Mm. and audition for other pieces and other parts and things like that. And most of the time, similar looking actors, but American or English ones were Mm -hmm. cast instead because they could say the lines in an more clearly or without accent Mm -hmm. if needed. Like the whole mid-Atlantic accent thing was starting to become really big. In the early 40s, Lugosi developed severe chronic sciatica, probably a result of his time on the battlefield in World War I. Uh. 
His doctors started with a benign remedy of asparagus juice. Ew. Disgusting. To help, but the pain was too much, and he was eventually prescribed opiates. Uh-oh. His dependence on opiates and later methadone seemed to affect the screen offers he would receive. He also was an abuser of alcohol. He basically used anything he could to escape the pain, mm. which is both really sad and heartbreaking. In the 1950s, Ed Wood, a B-movie filmmaker and fan of Lugosi's work, found the actor and asked him to be part of his films. While they were still monster movies, Lugosi was excited to be taken a bit more seriously. Wood was really, like, a friend to him. Lugosi's son later said, like, Wood actually encouraged a lot of the opiate use, which was Mm. really bad, but they were really good friends. During this time, though, Lugosi sought treatment for his drug addiction. Right after his treatment, Lugosi made the film The Black Sleep in 1956, where he played a mute butler. He wasn't super excited about this role at all and became intoxicated and very ill during the film's promotional campaign and had to return home to Los Angeles earlier than scheduled. On August 16, 1956, Bella Lugosi was found dead by his fifth wife, Hope, from a heart attack while taking a nap. He was 73. He was buried at Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City, California, in his stage Dracula costume, cloak and all. Aww. It wasn't said that he wanted to be in that, but hit one of his ex-wives was like, this is right. He should, yes, yeah. this is right. With all his time acting in films that delved into the supernatural and the occult, it's only natural that Lugosi would become interested in the subject himself. It is rumored that he was particularly interested in scrying. Scrying is the practice of using a mirror, a crystal ball, a bowl of water, or other suitable reflective medium to see messages, visions, or prophecies. It's a kind of divination that isn't necessarily uniform in its process, as there are multiple different mediums and different ways of practicing it. One type of practice is to go into a self-induced trance and use a medium to focus attention on, like, so you focus on, like, the bowl of water and see through to freely associate any images that appear beyond it. And depending on the images, it could be determined if you were looking into the past, the present, or the future. So you'd be in this trance, you'd be seeing images, and you'd just be saying what you see or what you associate with what you see. And that, for whoever you're, you know with or whatever you're looking for could associate with oh i'm looking into the past i'm looking to the present all that kind of stuff the image of a mirror being a medium in this way appears in games like bloody mary and in stories like snow white mirror mirror on the wall and harry potter Mm, mm -hmm. the mirror that we're talking about today is pretty small it's like the size of a vanity mirror it's rimmed in black metal it's like maybe like a foot and a half, two feet tall, and maybe, like, a foot across, maybe. It's really hard to get a good, like, idea of the size. Mm -hmm. It hung in one of Bela Lugosi's homes in Hollywood. It is said that Bela Lugosi used the mirror to scry with in order to communicate with a wife that had passed on. It is believed that Lugosi did this poorly and actually opened a portal for spirits to enter through and bad energy to permeate out of. This may be an explanation for his decline in both health and popularity. 
This mirror was not just an object of divination, however. It was also the witness to a brutal murder. Oh, no. Yeah. So Frank Selectri, a criminal lawyer and part-time filmmaker, writer, producer, and actor, because he lives in Hollywood, (laughs) rented a home that Bella Lugosi once lived in on Primrose Avenue. The scrying mirror had moved with Bella Lugosi to this home and was in the bedroom of the home that Selectri now rented. Frank was sadly very brutally murdered in his home in 1982. He was bound in the primary bedroom and killed by a single gunshot to the head. Looked like a struggle. Looked like the mob did it. There was no sign of forced entry, and nothing was taken, and his murder is still unsolved to this day. Mm. Family thinks that it was a friend that did it, since there was nothing that was taken. Mm -hmm. But, don't know. The mirror, having been present during this murder and already an open and used portal, gathered the awful energy from both this evil murderer and the horrific death and has kept it trapped between its frame all this time. Okay, but how do we know this, and how did it get to the museum? Well, Frank Selectri's niece, Cindy Lee, owned the mirror for a while after her uncle's death. She decided to accept the offer to go on Deadly Possessions, which is a spin-off show of Ghost Adventures, where oh. Zack sits down with people who own, who own haunted items, or are connected to an item in his museum. So, do you remember the Dybbuk box? How could I forget? Yeah. So, that was one that I found on an episode of Deadly Possessions. Mm. Um, and that was when I showed you the video of the guy... Doing terrible doing slam poetry. really weird, dark slam poetry. Um, but he there's, there's a lot of these, and she was on one. Uh, she... Tells the story, and he does his usual Zach thing, and I put in parentheses, asks stupid questions, <laughs> acts broody, etc. <laughs> Cindy Lee details that her her uncle lived in the home when she was a child. When she brought it, when she brought the mirror to her own home after her uncle's death, her daughters each had their own experiences. One daughter has been unwilling to talk about any of her experiences, but her sister knows what those experiences are. And so tells us. Because, you know, what's sibling loyalty? Her sister, while looking in the mirror, thought that she saw a hand reaching out to her. No, ma'am. She started to feel teeth against her neck as a shadowy figure appeared. And she ran as fast as she could away from the room. Goodbye. Yeah, so obviously it spooked her enough for her not to want to talk about it. No. Um, But then the sister who told this story... Also had an experience with the mirror. She said that she had slept in the same room as the mirror one night and had had a nightmare. And when she woke up, she had scratches all over her body. Mm-mm. So. Mm-mm-mm. Creepy. Not fun. What are you laughing about? Oh, I was like, oh, creepy. But then I had the thought of like, well, sometimes when I'm asleep, I do things that I don't realize that I'm doing them. Can I tell the people? Sure, you can okay. tell the people. <laughs> there was there was one morning a while ago. Uh, yeah, a while, while a ago. A while ago. That Shannon texted me a picture of herself at like a moderate eight a.m. That said, "Emma, I don't know how I did this." It's a picture of her with her sleep shirt on, inside out and, and backwards. backwards. 
And I was like, I don't, why would you do that? Like, I can understand you taking off your shirt. Maybe you got too hot, but why would you put it back on and in that way? That's weird. You I wonder why. Hold on. I'm going to find it because I took a screenshot of your response. <laughs> Hold on. I can't. Ooh. Do you ever laugh so hard that your cheeks block your eye holes? No. You can't see out. My cheeks are not as beautifully voluptuous oh. as yours. Sarah Bowman understands my struggle. Yeah. No, I my, the back of my head just hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's just I have a lack of water in my system. I mean, that's fair. Everybody hydrate. Hydrate. Everybody was hydrating. <laughs> yeah, there's that. This was in April. <laughs> you sent me... Four laughing emojis, and then the next text, I'm rolling three laughing emojis. Why? Me. I have no idea. <laughs> you. I'm impressed you got all the holes right. <laughs> I was. I was so impressed. I said I was so cold I couldn't fall asleep for ages. I had to wear a hat. So I really don't know why I would decide to remove layers. To which you responded. It's like what happens when mountaineers start to get so cold their body tells them that they're warm. Glad you made it to the morning. <laughs> I knew I made a mountaineering up reference. Yeah. Uh, well, so that happened in April. Yeah. And then, what, two days ago? Was it not this morning? This morning? Yesterday. Yesterday? Some, sometime in the last 48 hours, Shannon texts me another picture of herself. In the morning, with her shirt on. It's just inside, inside out, out, not backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but she sent it to me and said, it happened again! <laughs> and I don't understand. Usually I am like a moderate sleeper. Like, Yeah, you are not a, you're not a toss and turner. No. At all. People, former partners of mine have been like, you are Snow White. You, you like sleep, lay in like, a coffin. We have discussed this. You sleep I know. Like the dead. But apparently it's either that or like. Or toss and turn and you're just, having a rave in your brain. And when I was a kid, sometimes I would wake up and I'd find like a sock next to my pillow. Mm-hmm. But I can understand that of like you reached down to take it off and you just like kept it in your hand when you brought yeah. your hand back up. Or like I'd wake up and I would be sleeping like with my pillow at the foot of my bed. Like my head was down where my feet were supposed to be. But that didn't, like I don't do that. The fact that you have that amount of dexterity while you're asleep is. The so fact that I can like take off my take shirt off. and then I'm cold. Let me put this back on. It's so it's so fascinating. Uh, well, I mean, sleep Emma is super strong. Yeah, she is a starfish that won't back up. As in, like any time that I, because I get very close to Jessica in, in the middle of the night. Yeah, because I am a cold human and I need warmth, and he yeah. just radiates heat. Yeah. There will be times where he turns on his side and, like, faces out of the bed. <laughs> yeah. And I just, <laughs> to his back. And then he tries to turn over and he can't. And so he has to, like, get out of the bed, push me. We we have a king-size bed, y'all. Push me to the other side of the bed. And he can't because I am just 
solid rock. But you're just like, I am Ugh! complete dead weight. And I am, I am like, dense. I am not moving because I have found my warm spot. Warm spot. I am not going to the cult. You cannot make me. There was one night when we were still living in the apartment that Jessica, like, just went to the other side of the bed and slept on my side. Because yeah. he was like, there, what's the point? He's like, I give up. Yeah, what's I the point? Up. I just want to sleep. So. But anyway, so she might have scratched herself in the night or somebody, something spooky scratched her. Yeah. I mean, the idea of scratching yourself and not waking yourself up with it. Or like be, even being scratched and not waking up with it. Like super aggressively, yeah. Because I have scratched myself like... Yeah. A one-off. You wake up and you're like, what? What the heck happened? Yeah. But, like, the fact that she had scratches all over her body and didn't wake up to being scratched is weird. Now I feel the desire to scratch. No. I'm sorry. It's okay. You can continue. Okay. (laughs) So, Zach accepted the mirror as a donation from Cindy because she wanted it out of her house. Is it a tax write-off? I wonder. Ooh, that's a good question. Is Zach Wiggins haunted music? It can't be a non-profit. No, he it's not. You, you, he charges a lot. And yeah. you have to sign a waiver of, like, so if you are followed, a... you don't sue him. So Zach accepted this as a donation from Cindy to right. add to his collection of spooky items. And on its first night in the museum, the basement where it was staying, like, he hadn't set it up or anything, um, the basement flooded. And when Zach went to go investigate, he heard tapping and knocking around the wall where the hmm. mirror was. Could have been pipes, Zach, or it could have been some spooky entity that is trapped inside the mirror because of murder and scrying. But, you know. Now, the mirror sits in the museum, covered in a black curtain, so that no one can accidentally take bad energy home with them. Um, However, I did read some accounts of people going through the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, you aren't allowed to take pictures while you're in there, which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're paying for it, you don't want you know people to be taking pictures and just showing everybody what's in it. Mm-hmm. But there was a person who described how they're they're walking through with their whole group, and their their tour guide is like you know trying to spook them with every turn or whatever, and they ask everyone you know broadly would it be okay for us to pull back the curtain? After telling the whole story mm-hmm. about the Bella Lugosi mirror, would would you like us to pull back the curtain so that you can look into it? And most people, like, they, they don't open it to everybody. It's, like, on a side where, mm-hmm. like, if you, if you pull the curtain back, not everyone can look into it, but if you're standing in front of it, you can. And so if, you're, if you want to, we will pull it back for you, and you can look into it. And apparently one person, uh, according to the tour guide that this, this person was listening to, one person had done that and his eyes started to bleed. And, she, you know, she's trying to scare them. But the, the guy who was writing this turned to his friends that were with him and were like, if that ever happens, please call 911. Because apparently when that happened to this guy, they were just like pulling out sage and, like, saging the room. And he was like, do not do that. Leave the sage on the ground and call 911 if my eyes are bleeding, please, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good advice. Yeah. So that is the story of the Bella Lugosi mirror. If you want to go see it, it is at the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. But let's get into some theories about what this is. Okay. So mirrors, at, in general, as portals... Let's talk about that. Okay. This idea that mirrors are portals to another world or to the afterlife is not new. 
I mean, there's a whole trippy novel about it, Through the Looking Glass. If you haven't read it, that's actually a really fun novel, but... Mirrors have always been a bit uncanny, because when you look into it, you see a reversed version of yourself, so it's not quite you, which makes it seem like there is somebody else. Like, it's it's you, but it's not, mm-hmm. on the other side. Multiple superstitions stem from this idea that a mirror is a portal that can be used as a trap. A soul can be drawn from the body with a mirror after death, which is why people would cover mirrors after someone died in a house, so that the soul wouldn't get trapped Mm -hmm. and not make it to the real afterlife and therefore haunt everyone who had failed to cover the mirrors. It's along the same lines of, like, photographs taking a person's soul, like, when when they're taken, which, like, the Amish believe in things. Mm -hmm. The legend of Bloody Mary says that if you say her name three times into a mirror, she will appear in the mirror as your reflection. Some, some legends say that. She might even come out of the mirror and attack you. Hmm. In feng shui, it is not cool to have a mirror next to or facing your bed. It is an invitation for bad luck. I have both of those things. Whoopsie. Breaking a mirror is seven years of bad luck, and some folktales say that the soul of the breaker shatters with the glass, mm. and that it is good luck if you if you drop a mirror and it does not break, which I'm like, yes, it yeah, is Yeah, then luck. you don't have a broken mirror. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> Every time I drop my phone and it doesn't break, <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you. Edgar Allan Poe explored this theme in his story, William Wilson which introduced doppelgangers. Mirrors seem to mimic this me-but-not-me quality that doppelgangers have. Multiple movies have been made that include mirrors as a portal or revealer of spirits, but interestingly, in folklore, vampires have no reflection in a mirror, just like Dracula. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So even with all these folktales and theories about mirrors themselves, this particular mirror might have a lie attached to it. So now we need to game out Bella Lugosi's love life real quick. Okay. So Jonas Smick was married to him from 1917 to 1920. In 1921, he married Jona von Montag, but divorced in 1924. He married Beatrice Woodruff Weeks in 1929, but they broke it off after just four months. In 1933, his longest marriage of 20 years was to Lillian Arch, who he had a child with, Bella Lugosi Jr., but they divorced in 1953. And lastly, he married his fifth wife, Hope Linninger, in 1955, and they were married until his death a year later. Now, none of these women died while he was married to them. In fact, only one passed away before he did, which was Beatrice. Beatrice? Beatrice. She passed away about a year after their divorce, but there didn't seem to be a reason for him to try and communicate with her. That was the whole reason that he was into scrying. He was trying Mm. to communicate with a dead wife. That's the story that they tell. But who knows? Maybe between those three years, uh, the three years between her death and him getting married again, he was pining for her company. Maybe he really loved her and missed her and it just didn't work out that they were married. But even with this possibility, Lugosi's interest in the occult was never noticed by anyone in his family, none of his friends, never documented, and really, so far as we can tell, is just a rumor that mm-hmm. 
Zach Bagans made up. Yeah. His own granddaughter, Bella Lugosi's granddaughter, said to an investigator, quote, We have no knowledge of Bella Lugosi being into the occult or scrying or of any desire or practice to contact a deceased wife. End quote. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just means we don't know. Mm-hmm. The other interesting claim with this mirror is that it belonged to Bella Lugosi and was left in his home that was rented after his death by Frank Seletri. Well, the original home that Frank Seletri rented, 6764 Wedgwood Place, is not documented as one of Lugosi's many homes that he had in the Hollywood area. His son and granddaughter run the BellaLugosi.com website, which documents his life. They do not have this house on the list. They have a whole list of all of the homes that he was ever in that they have documentation for, and this one is not it. Similarly, the house that Seletri was killed in on Primrose Place was also never a home of Bella Lugosi's. The mirror might have been, but the granddaughter told the investigator, quote, We always welcome getting new information, so if you find documentation of either residents or of the mirror, please let us know. End quote. So why do we think Lugosi was ever in these homes? Frank Seletri. Seletri was a fan of monster movies. Mm. His only film ever produced... It's called Blackenstein. I didn't look further into it because it was the 70s and I felt like it was going to be inappropriate and I didn't want to know. That that seems like a valid assumption. Yeah. This was the only film he ever produced. It was a monster movie. He was very into that era of Hollywood and he was a huge fan of Bela Lugosi. He sent an invitation from which he started the Count Dracula Society to friends for a reception at his home which he labeled as the, quote, home of Count Dracula himself, Bella Lugosi, end quote, and wrote out the Wedgwood Place address in 1971. This Wedgwood house was actually razed to the ground to make way for the Hollywood Freeway at the end of 1971. Seletri took the mirror and some other things from the house to the home on Primrose Avenue where he was killed. Hmm. The story was passed on along with the items from Seletri to his niece, who had never really questioned the story that this mirror was from Bela Lugosi's home. So was it just Seletri's fascination with the actor that led to these ideas about the mirror? Or is Bela Lugosi's mirror something we should never behold? Is the mirror actually haunted, Zach? We want answers. (laughs) (laughs) Because the majority of this is like, a, a lot of my research ended up being people saying Zach is lying. Seems valid to me. Even Cindy, who gave him the mirror, fully believed this story until someone from the Skeptical Inquirer went to her and said, hey, I've done some research and I don't see any valid research that says that Bella Lugosi ever lived in these homes. And she was like, I never thought to question it, but you've put a lot of doubt in my mind now and I'm going to look further into it, see if anyone in my family knows. And so far, haven't been able to figure it out. So the guess is that Zach Bagans has a mirror that someone just didn't want. That's a new game. Like, (laughs) make something up, get something from Goodwill, and create enough of an online presence for it that Zach Bagans wants it in his museum. And then, like, five years later, be like, Soik, I got this for $2.99. That's what I'll do when I meet him. 
<laughs> that's what I'll do when I meet him. I, like I will gift him with something that's haunted. I feel like a lot of people do that, though. Probably. They must. They I feel have, like he doesn't meet a lot of people. They just have a room that's, like, full of... Full of all the discarded, haunted, quote-unquote, like, items Beanie Babies. Bring. Oh, my God. It's just a room of Furbies. <gasps> the scariest <laughs> room in the entire museum uh, is the room of Furbies. The, it's the scariest thing in the haunted house, except for the room... Where you you turn the corner, and it's just full of people you went to high school with. Oh no! And there are no snacks or music. Why? Because it's a haunted house. Oh my god! It's, it's a house of horrors, Emma. Oh my goodness! There's only a, there's <laughs> specifically a, designed for people with anxiety. Yeah, there's a very small handful of people that I even like interacted with in high school that I would still want to be like friendly with. Like the majority of people that I knew in high school, I barely interacted with because exactly. I was there only, only there for like two years. Not high school in general. Yeah. As in, like I was only at the high school I graduated from for, for two years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I walk into a room, it's just full of books that have been dog-eared instead of bookmarked. Anyway, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. So we all know I want to be a vase. Yeah, yeah. But what is the thing that you would leave me in your will? That you own right now. Not, oh. like, in general. <laughs> like, like if you, like, God forbid, you were to... You were to Leave this earth in the next week. God I mean, forbid. Knock on wood. That'll never happen. But. I mean, it's not an exciting answer, but it's true. It's in my will that you get all my books and any books you don't want go to the library at Sweetbriar College. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That was yeah. pretty <laughs> You're also the, the, the execu- executor of my digital assets. Great. So you get to go through all my photos and things. I love that. Okay, yeah. great. It's in my, also, for the record, my will can be found on my Google Drive. I, I knew And that. in my desk. I do remember that. You did tell me that. <laughs> I should probably, like, look at it and see if I need to update anything. But, yeah. Freewill.org, I think, is what the website is. I still don't have a will, and I'm supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Yoska, going to write it into my will. Yoska, talk to your wife. <laughs> Well, what are you giving me in the will? Do I get anything? Yeah, you get your pick. Oh. So, like, anything you want. <laughs> wow. Anything that Jessica does, doesn't <laughs> I'm just claim. like, I'm like, I want this lamp. I would like this lamp, please. And that one pair of fuzzy socks. <laughs> yes. I will to you that one pair of fuzzy socks, any lamp that you might want, um... You get my wedding dress just to keep. Because just, it, <laughs> just for keepsies. Well, because my it would make my mother cry, and Josh, mm. uh, Joshka can't fit in it, so. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. Yep. I'll keep it safe for, like, a relative or something. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. great. That was the answer. Guys, what, what, would you, what would you leave your significant other or best friend in your will? And do you have a will? If you don't, freewill.com. Freewill.org, I think. Or, or. Whatever. Look it up. You can find find it. it. But it's great. They, like, ask you. It's like when you do TurboTax. They, like, ask you a bunch of questions, and then they take all your answers and, like, throw it in a document. And you're like, nice. I'm into that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Yep. Thanks. We appreciate it. Go go write your will. We hope you enjoy some, some movies this summer, spooky movies. Or not. Yeah, watch some B-movies. 
Not the B movie. The B movie. Please do not watch the B movie. <laughs> Republicans think drag queens are confusing <laughs> to children. What the heck is this then? It's a screenshot from the B movie. Seriously, though. What? Um, I've never seen it, but I'm culturally aware of it. Jerry Seinfeld is the voice. I know. Of the bee that then falls in love with a woman Look. who breaks up with her fiance, her human to marry fiance, a bee. <laughs> America. That is the premise. Well, it's not the premise. It's the it's the it's the bee bee plot. But like, oh my gosh, <laughs> the bee plot. She did that, and not even on purpose, y'all. I saw her face when she no she realized. Wow. We gotta go. I have to leave. I need another glass of whiskey. We love you all. Please remember. This podcast doesn't exist. And the B movie should not. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't. Bye. Just bye. Buzz off. (laughs) 